0: Yesterday, I had the privilege, along with my family, to be at a musical presentation in Columbia, and a number of our young people were involved in that, and our, the director of that program made this comment to the audience. A lot of these kids come from the same church. How blessed they are to have the talent that they have. Would you guys not say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. It is beyond belief. If you want to, t- if you want to think about miraculous for me, it's look at all the musical talent God has given us instrumentally and vocally over the years, and particularly now. And we're just so so blessed. And I do hope and pray you guys celebrate it and you commend those that God is using to do that. Um, we're just having such a, the blessing of His abundance, as it were. So. That's so great. Let's pray together. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you today as we continue celebrating the fact that you came to planet earth, that you gave your life. And because of that, we have life. And now let us live it out in such a way that you're praised and honored. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be such a blessed people. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're on this series of Christmas and kind of the story behind the story, as it were, and we're looking now at godly children. Does that seem like the right message for today, the Sunday before Christmas? When we're typically thinking about, what are we going to get our kids for Christmas? What if <laughs> what if we gave our kids godly parents for Christmas? Wow, that sounds wonderful. And guess what? As I'm doing this message today, I realize that we have a gambit of parenting even gathered in this room as a local church family. Because I've been doing this for a while... Last month, in fact, 50 years in the ministry. Isn't that cool? That's a God thing. Another 50, and I'm going to let you guys have, some, have a break. By the way, it is funny to me that people much younger than me will walk up and say, now, when I die, Steve, would you say this at my funeral? I say, sure. <laughs> it may be recorded, but it'll be said. <laughs> We also have, and you'll see where I'm going in a minute. I'm actually headed to a destination. We have parents who sadly think their kids can do no right. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have parents who think their kids can do no wrong. I got news for you. You're in the middle somewhere, okay? Just so you know. You don't leave here today with some misconception of parenting. Because here's the other fact that I need to make very clear. Nobody has ever gotten it perfectly. In fact, think about this. God is the perfect parent. Would you not agree? Have you ever seen a father have more trouble with their kids than he has? So as we talk about godly children, we have to talk about godly parents. We talk about the fact that when we have those incredible, amazing, and wonderful baby dedications, you know what we're actually doing? We're dedicating the parents to raise the kids. And the parents before God are saying, that's what we will do. Now, again... It's like the Christian life. You can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's like marriage. You can only do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. To try it any other way is to fail miserably. I can promise you, you will. So please keep those thoughts in mind as we walk through this and we look at the Scripture. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Okay, let that resonate just for a minute. So Joseph goes to his parents and says to his mom and dad, Mom and dad, Mary's pregnant. And then he uses a line we don't get to use. God did it. <laughs> the supernatural intervention of God into the lives of us. Incredible. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He loved Mary. In fact, you know, guys, I know we all have the, have the same things about movies. Well, most of us, some of you guys may be different. Most guys like action movies, right? And most women like what? Love story movies, right? Okay. Have you ever noticed, though, at the end, it's all the same conclusion. We're all wanting for the guy to get the girl. It doesn't matter which one it is. It's, that's just the way it is. Now, in one case, a lot of people die getting there. In another place, another place, everybody's all warm and fuzzy. But in this story, not only is there the love and relationship that God does, but there is the adventure if you look at it closely but when he had considered this behold the angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary as your wife for the child who he who has been conceived in her is the holy spirit or is by the holy spirit she will bear a son you shall call his name jesus For he will save his people from their sins. Amen to that. None of us would be here today if this were not true. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is my favorite Christmas word, which translates God with us. God with us. And he says. In his earthly ministry. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But, we, but I will be with you. Until the end of the age. And Joseph awoke from his sleep. Did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Took Mary as his wife. But kept her a virgin. Until she gave birth to a son. And called his name Jesus. In the sixth month. That's in the sixth month of the pregnancy of of Elizabeth. The angel Gabriel sent from God to a city in in, uh, Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Uh, At the risk of being, I don't know, accused of old-fashioned If you're here today, and you're a young person, and you're still a virgin, it's like, who cares anymore? Guess what? God does. And this is not to accuse. You're going to see we're going to get to a good place on this, but it's going to be, I'm going to push it pretty hard before we get there. In fact, what's interesting, several years ago, a new translation of the scripture came out, and rather than putting the word virgin in the translation, it put young maiden. People pitched a fit, but here was the truth of it. In that day, in that culture, if you were a young maiden, you were a virgin. There was no difference. You just were. And by the way... I know we're talking about Mary here, but we're talking about Joseph too. Guys, you ain't off the hook. It's two-sided. The last I checked, except for this one time, it took two people. So here's Mary. And by the way, they're both, this is important, they are both descendants of David. So they're both in the same family. I know that sounds like these folks must have been from the hills of Kentucky or something. But you have to understand, there were 28 generations from David to Jesus. So it kind of got spread out a little bit. And somehow, by the grace of God, or maybe even by the plan of God, these two people ended up in a small community called Nazareth that was the population, as best anybody can understand historically, was no more than 400 and probably not that big. But here they are. And here's the other thing that we're going to get to here in a moment. And coming in, he said to her Greetings, favored one. This is the angel coming to Mary. How many of you, young women, would love to hear God say to you, to one of his messengers, You're favored. And this is, this is sweet. But she was perplexed at his statement and kept pondering, what is the salutation? What is actually going on here? The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son in his name will be jesus he will be great will be called the son of the most high the lord god will give him the throne of his throne david of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end and she said how can this be i'm a virgin so now mary goes to her mom and dad i watched a really cute video this past week about this and this young lady says, how, how does Mary go in and tell her mother and father that she's pregnant? And it's God. I think, I hope you're catching the difficulty of what this might look like for either one of them. The angel answered, said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason the holy child shall be called the son of God. And behold even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she will call she who was barren is now in her sixth month for nothing. Get the phrase. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now I want you to get that phrase. I want you to memorize that phrase don't you. Make it a part of your being, spirit, soul, and body. But please keep it in the context of what that really means. Nothing is impossible with God when it is the will of God. I've used this illustration. I know you guys get tired sometimes because I've used the same ones. And in the next 50 years, you'll probably get tired of me using the same ones again. When I take that verse of Paul... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can do all the things that God has created me for to do. He obviously did not create me to be an athlete. So I don't take that verse and say, I'm going to go play NFL. (laughs) That'd be foolish. Or he hasn't created me unless he makes a change somewhere along the way to be musically inclined. So I'm not going to take that verse and say, oh, now I can sing like these wonderful people or play like these. Not mine. But that's so cool for us to understand how all this works. Got to get this. Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left. Now let's pay attention to what's happening here. Both of these young people. We don't know their age. Probably a little older than we may have anticipated. Or at least some people have talked about. And you'll see why in a moment. They both had been raised in godly homes. And they had been taught how to hear from God. God. Now, you might say, well, you know, if an angel shows up, I might listen, too. Well, guess what? We have this. You want to get something directly from God? Get in here. You want to know what God is saying? Get in here. Those of us who get to speak or teach are blessed to have that privilege and prayerfully help people understand things. But the truth of it all is, get in here. I don't know how to live the Christian life. Guess what? It's here. I don't know how to have a Christ-centered marriage. And now we're going to get to the topic of today. I don't know how to raise kids for the glory of God. Right here. We have become... Saw a commercial the other day. I don't know what um, what it was for. I don't care. But apparently it was a, a fairly wealthy lady and she's talking about how difficult it is for her to be a mom. And her friend is sitting there and says, She goes, Motherhood is so difficult. I'm just exhausted all the time. I'm just exhausted all the time. Maybe you've seen the same stupid commercial. And her friend says, But you have three nannies. She goes, Yeah, it takes a village, doesn't it? The point of that is, we have now decided that somebody else should raise our kids. And we look for ways to make that happen rather than taking the time, expending the effort to be the parents that God is calling us to be, desires us to be. And that's when that scripture that we just read, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for any of us, those of us who have children. And I'm going to say for us who are grandparents as well, to have the godly influence in the life of our kids, our grandkids, or even great-grandchildren, for that matter, our nephews, our nieces, or whatever it is, that we're related to them. It is nothing is impossible through him. We have it all. In fact, the scripture says we have everything for life and godliness. The point is there is no excuse. I'm so glad that we don't have excuses like we tend to want to claim. The angel left her. Thank you. (laughs) So the question is, why Joseph? Why Mary? God's looking across the landscape of all the people. And by the way, just so you know, as we're seeing in our country and in our world, greater hostility toward Christianity, please understand that all this took place in a very hostile world. Toward those who were following God, believing in God. It was terrible. It really was. We're, we're seeing the labor pains of that here in America and across the world today. But they were in a tough spot. So why Joseph? Let's start with him. Well, first of all, in Matthew 13, it says that he was the son of a carpenter. That's a bit of a mistranslation. The Greek word there is technon. And it means a craftsman who was kind of the the epitome of craftsman. And it could be in many different fields, not just in wood. Woodworking, it could be stone, it could be gems. But they were the ones who could have the vision and see it and get it done. And so back to an earlier statement that I made. About the um, when they were there at the at the end, and everybody thinks that they were poor, and that's why they had to go to the stable. But the truth was, there just wasn't room in the end. It wasn't they didn't have money; they had money, and all implications are that Joseph was a fairly well-off guy because his family did well and he did well. And please get this: he was responsible enough that when God said, tag, you're it, to raise my boy, and he gets the notice of the census, he's not traveling with his family. He is an adult male. And on that journey, in that particular time, and that's why I mentioned the hostilities of the day they were in, the Roman soldiers were literally harassing them as they made their way in their case, to Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. So, godly parents, dads, be godly men in doing business for your family. If I hear one more story of some young man who gets a job, and has no clue how to work because his dad never taught him. And I want to tell you, I watch families here, and I'm amazed at how some of you guys have done such an ex- splendid job. Some of you dads have really trained your young men, your sons, how to work. It's our responsibility to do that. It's not the village's responsibility. It's ours. I'm not great with math. Never was my best subject. Along with a few other subjects, for that matter. But I had to learn as a husband and a father how to help my family with this. Now, I was resourced by God through a wife and a father in law who knew finance. So grateful to him for that godly fathers don't dump all that on your wife be responsible oh but more importantly they're going where to Bethlehem it's a financial issue because of the um, census but it's a spiritual issue in leading the family back to the lineage. Dads, teach your kids and your family the word of God. Oh, but you don't understand. My wife gets it so much better. I don't care. It's not the point. God is very clear in his word that we are to lead our families. In business, yes. Work ethic, yes. But spiritually, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you understand, I've been at this a while, as I said, and I've got a few years. Thank God for that. Two years ago, I guess, maybe three now, almost three. My grandson graduated high school. I wanted to treat him. For him, a treat is a steak. He and I went out. I came back from that little outing I sat down and told Sheila I said I I have just had lunch with a man of God and that man of God is my grandson you don't know unless you're there what that means let's back it up just a little bit I wasn't raised in that and neither was my wife the whole point of this message today is that if that's not where you are, this is where you can begin. Let's go to Mary. Highly favored. <laughs> Chosen by God to birth his son. all I can see is this incredible young woman who is so in love with God that when she is told that she will be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, she says, be it unto me, be it unto me, as God says. Now, both of those, it is crucial, crucial, crucial for us to understand they were raised in godly homes where they were taught, Say, hear God. And I'm telling you, I hear people all the time say, I just can't hear God. I just can't hear God. Well, let me tell you what God is more interested in you hearing Him than you are. So, a couple things maybe. One is you're not going to the right place to hear. That's the word. Or it could be that you've already concluded. How you think things ought to be. And so you're unwilling to hear. What the spirit of God says. Through the word of God. And bringing the change in your life. That God is requiring. I said in the beginning. Nobody gets it all right. Nobody is perfect in this. But wouldn't it be wonderful. If when we came to this time next to you, you could say, but we have made strides in that area. We are now, we are now, okay, well, let's just get all, we're actually having a meal together. It amazes me how many families don't have meals together. Some families, I guess, don't even have a table. Of course, I remember one guy saying that he could have saved a lot of money if he'd have bought a picture for his Wife or her stove rather than buying the stove. There has to be a intentionality about how we do family. It starts, of course, in our personal relationship with God and then our marriage to our mate and then to our children. But we're talking today about Joseph and Mary who were raised in godly homes, who understood what it was to hear God and not just hear God, but obey God. But like I say, if we go to his word and we've already, we've already decided what we believe about what it says. And I, I can tell you right now, I've had people come to me and say, you know, God told me to do so-and-so. I said, well, show me in the Bible. Well, that's not important, is it? Yeah, it is. Let's do this. Let's let's be for this community. Let's be for our families. What God designed us to be and desires us to be. Now let's think about this for a moment. And how we got here. Nobody's by accident. Okay? Now, there should be self-control. But if I'm here then I know that God has a purpose for my life. And I want to find and know that purpose. And if we are godly parents, we will be more concerned about our kids finding the godly purpose that he has created them for than we will be for them to go to a certain university or for them to be a particular, in a particular vocation or talented area. Because it may be that God has something totally different for your kids. But you're so concerned about His will for your kids' lives that you will invest whatever it takes for them to come to that place of understanding. And that may mean that as you have dedicated your children to Him, that He may say, I want that child for ministry. I want that child for missions. It's not always the case, obviously. But Lord, they're yours. As Mary said, be it unto me. As you have said, we are blessed in this church family with all our kids. Wouldn't it just be, and please, I'm not putting down any vocation. That is not my point. I think when God shows you what you are and how he made you and what your purpose is, and it doesn't matter where it's carpentry or ministry. That's where God wants to use you. And he will. When we let him. But you're here today. And you just say you know what. I've blown it. I mean I have blown it completely. Blown it. Blown it. Blown it. What do I do? Here's my recommendation. Go to your heavenly father. And be absolutely honest don't fudge on it don't try to make stuff up just say father i blew it i messed it all up and i now understand some of it i want to know more and i'm going to ask the holy spirit to help me do it and then you just repent and you go for it and maybe you're the second or third generation you're the grandparent and great-grandparent you say well i can't fix this it's too big a mess And you'd be right. You can't. You never could. But he can. So what do you do? You become the greatest intercessor for your family there could ever be. Well, you don't understand. My husband, my wife, they're not on board. On your face, God, need your help. My kids... They're out there on your face. Take this word, not not, uh, potluck, not thinking that it's just magic. You wave the book over it and it fixes it all. Spend the time in it. Lord, what are you saying to me? So I have something to say to them. And I get that we were blessed in raising our children at a time when technology was not the issue that it is today. But as parents, you get to and you have to make those hard decisions about what kind of exposure your children have. As a God-given responsibility and opportunity. That's our God. That's a little bit more about Joseph and Mary. And tag, we're at. Are we trying to hand your kids off somebody? My wife, who is a godly woman, was dropped off at church by her parents. She didn't get it in her home early on my home i call the hot coal home that'd be a time when we'd just be all hot about church going doing stuff next thing you know we ain't doing nothing and so when the two of us came together as a married couple so young young in the faith we didn't know what to do we didn't have good examples We went to prayer, we went to this book, and here we are today, and we're getting to see our grandchildren, looking forward to one day seeing great-grandchildren who follow God. We were able to change the trajectory of the lineage of our families just to let you know even though my parents were moral parents there were eight of us kids out of eight kids I'm the only one who is not divorced and remarried Sheila's family all her family is gone including her brothers which she had two of they're all gone God chose us as he is choosing you To be the ones to change your family's heritage and legacy. But only when it's for his glory. Not just so we can have good kids that don't mess up. We have godly sons and daughters who are able to hear God and obey God. What a blessing what a blessing this church is to this community and the fact that we have families that are living this and some are working at it and we're all trying to do this together. Don't stop, don't quit, don't give up. It is worth it, it is worth it, it is worth it. I promise you before God it is worth it. God, we're your kids. We want to do this. To reveal to this world that we're your kids, that we love you, that we want to honor you, and that's why we take your word and we choose. We choose today, no matter where we are in this process, we choose to confess, we choose to repent, and we choose to step out in faith and obedience as men and women of God. And in those generations to come. As you're raising up these incredible, amazing, and wonderful children and young adults who are now a part of our church family. And we watch them as they step into the future and the design and the desire that you have for each one of their lives. And we celebrate that for your glory. Because we know, we know that you're the God who does the impossible, even in our corrupt and crazy world. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you this question. Did you know when you kiss the baby that God has placed in your life, that one day that child raised in a godly home will share the reality of eternity with a friend or a classmate or a coworker or maybe even in a random stranger. And their eternity will be absolutely changed. Think about that. Think about that. As we live that example for them. Walk it out in such a way. That lives are transformed. And they know. They know. That's the way it's supposed to be. And that's the way it is.